0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester and welcome to Wait, What? A Comics Podcast for the Savage Critics website. This is episode 34, recorded the day before WonderCon. In it, Graham McMillan and I talk Moya Simon, Tales of Agriculture, Volume 1, Finder, Voice, Thor, Butcher Baker, Number 1, Wonder Woman, Jimmy Olsen, Number 1, and Mark Guggenheim's recent arc on Justice Society of America. And if you want to not listen to us talk about Graham's brush with death, the comics material starts in at roughly the ten and a half minute mark. And by the way, if you listen to this podcast on iTunes and it's something you enjoy, Graham and I would appreciate it if you could take a second to give us a review on iTunes. It's been a while, and it would help soothe our fragile, fragile egos if you did. We hope you enjoy it, and thanks for listening.
1: I'm already expecting tomorrow to be horrible, and uh, dear listeners, we're recording this on the 31st of March, and the tomorrow we're talking about is WonderCon, which starts uh, on Friday, which is the next day, um, but I'm really worried about tomorrow just because it's the first day of a convention, and it's also April 1st,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I was already mm-hmm. expecting like your stupid things from San Francisco for the entire day, but the idea that it's going to be stupid things while people are actually uncomfortable and grumpy... <laughs>
0: It's it just is going, so like all,
1: all of a sudden the stupidity is going to become like really sort of violently grim as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Some sort of horrible fist fights will break out. So, uh. You yeah, told
1: we- me that you were doing a team up with DC Comics Marvel, Joe Kazada. I will stab you in the face! <laughs>
0: I don't know. You know, it's interesting. I think people are a little more sensitive to face stabbings after After, after last Diego. year, yeah. I know. It's like after <laughs> the actual are, people, face yeah, stabbings. People
1: are, are more sensitive to face stabbings after someone actually did it. <laughs> Shocker.
0: <laughs> uh, yes. So, hmm. WonderCon. It will be interesting. I sort of wish that uh, I was on top of things a little bit so that I could tell you more ex- uh, exciting things about what's happening. But um
1: you're you know, going to be hanging out with lots of cool people. There you go.
0: Exactly, exactly. I'm not doing any sort of uh, super cool coverage or anything like that. <laughs> okay, what are, are you doing? Cause are you really? Are impressive. you
1: still still there? You just completely disappeared.
0: Did did I really? Because yeah. yeah. uh, I I tried to cover my mouth at one point because I was snickering over whatever the hell you're. Folding or recrinkling, or
1: whatever. Uh, what, what I'm actually doing is, uh, I was having dried cherries earlier on, and I'm closing the bag. I just realized I'd left the bag open. I was like mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. dried cherries is my new snack of choice. I'm I'm trying to get away from this the um, the candies and getting towards the fruit.
0: Good for you, sir. I'm impressed. My goodness, a healthy Graham McMillan. I don't know how any of us well, are going to really Did,
1: well, did it, I but... tell Did I tell you the um the doctor story from last week?
0: Um, You told me you were going to the doctor And maybe the personal trainer The doctor sounds familiar though
1: Okay well the doctor told me I had a heart murmur And it turned out she was wrong But for those like two minutes It was one of those what Oh things. my
0: god uh, And instead she just had the stethoscope on backwards And then said I'm <laughs> sorry I'm really was, stoned it,
1: What it actually was Was she was doing the stethoscope over The t-shirt I was wearing Uh <laughs> And somehow that threw it off Because she was like, I think you have a heart murmur And then she was like, I'll check And then I pulled up the t-shirt And she was like, oh no you don't (laughs) I know, that that was the The decider, somehow the t-shirt threw it off Um, But you know, for those For those like literally two minutes I was just kind of, I was dealing with the Okay, I don't know what to do with that information I mean, I, I told you the story about being told I had leukemia Back when I was in college, right?
0: Oh Jesus! I don't think you ever told me that, Graham.
1: Uh, I was so you know I went to art school. Yes. And in the, at the end of art school, you do the the degree show. You do the show where you get like you spend an entire year building up to the show, and it's the show that's going to be graded to pass fail rather than um, everything else you've been doing that year. Okay, so. What happens is you you basically hang the show and then there's a week of waiting and then you go back and you get your results. So in the week going up to me hanging the show, I am horribly sick. I mean, I'm just not in my right mind. Mm-hmm. On the- uh, and I go to the doctor in that week and the doctor takes blood and they're like, you know, we're going to do tests as quickly as possible and we'll get back to you. And so on the day where I have to go and pick up my results, I get a phone call from the doctor and they're like, we've got some really bad news the results are back and you, you've you been tested positive for leukemia oh my god and I was like kind of in shock yeah I'm just like okay um and had to go and get my results and I'm going to get my results and I mean really not there in the moment at all yeah pretty much in the I've just been told I have leukemia I don't really care about these results and they say you know this is your grade but we think you should rehang your show because you're not Doing You're not showing yourself off to the best uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: best way you can. We think you should rehang the show. We're going to tell you how to do it. Um, but th- what this means is you will have to, unlike everyone else, you can't go and celebrate your, your results. You're going to have to spend three hours between getting your results and the opening of the show rehanging everything. So, like, I, I'm just, you know, I'm like, I don't care. I'm getting leukemia. So I'm rehanging the show and everyone else really celebrating. And my parents come to the show because it's the opening of the show and it's my degree and everything. And they're like, oh, congratulations, you passed. You've got a really good grade. And I'm like, thanks. I've got some really bad news to tell you. Oh, my God. Uh, and they're like, what? Oh, and I'm like, I'm, I've just been told I have leukemia. Uh, and they understandably went from, you've passed. You've got a great grade. To, oh, my God, you're dying. <laughs> uh, in like you know, next to no time, right? Um, and yeah, I I was just like, I didn't. It was one of those days where everything was just horrifically overwhelming. Yeah, um, and I didn't find out that I didn't have leukemia for like two weeks. <gasps> What the fuck? Like, did
0: they not... Was it, like, a retest? The whole thing
1: was... No, the whole thing was... Well, it was retesting that they eventually, like, were like, you don't have leukemia at all. But it was because I never, I never had anything presenting leukemia. I had strep throat, but they fucked up the test results, and I got someone else's test results, and someone with leukemia got told they had strep throat. <laughs> um... Yes. Oh so that was that was spectacular on all all manner of levels. And there's also this girl that I really liked at the time. And because I'd been told I had leukemia, I like she was like, Hey, let's hang out that weekend and I was like, No, I'm really not up to it. And like completely blew my chance there. Oh my god! Graham, this
0: would be an <laughs> amazing the, on, like indie movie or something. On the
1: plus side though, I she's probably the one who gave me the strep throat. So you know, there's <laughs> But, um, yeah, so, so for, like, two weeks, I I thought I was dying. Um, so being told I had the heart murmur, I had, like, two, a two-minute flashback to that. Holy where I was shit. like, well, I have, theoretically, already made peace with everything.
0: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> literally,
1: literally, it was, like, you know, 15 years ago, but still, you know, I've been through this before. Um, and then she's like, no, you, you don't have heart murmur at all.
0: Dude, it's a miracle you trust the health people even slightly. I, I can't believe you keep going to the doctor almost. So, comic books.
1: Comic books, yes. Let, let's get off that subject and let's get on to the subject that everyone came here for.
0: Exactly. No, I, I'm impressed with your near-death, uh, accidental near-death story. Uh, yeah, but
1: it wasn't really near-death. That's
0: the whole thing. But, see, <laughs> I see through it. That's how near-death I was. But this is the amazing thing—you don't know that. You know what I mean? Like, th- I'm always curious about the number of times. Like, I—I I just sometimes hope that you know, my version of heaven would be something where you just actually get to know what the fuck was going on. You know what I mean? Oh so, God, no,
1: that—that that would not be my version of heaven at all.
0: Oh, really? That would be hell for you. That, yeah, I would not like that. I, I would,
1: uh, I would be very, very unsettled by that.
0: Uh, well, I... it's funny.
1: Before Kate and I went to the doctor, we had this different reaction. Which was, Kate was really concerned that she'd go and she'd be told, "You're sick, and you have been sick, all along." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "I don't, I just don't want to know if I've been sick. <laughs> like, I want to know how I am now. I don't want to know if something has happened. Like, that that would not be good." <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I sort of have the same feeling. I mean, let's put it this way. I'm always Mr. Like, gee, I really want to know. And then when I find out, I'm like, oh, God, why? Yes, why I didn't want to know that. <laughs> I thought I'd be finding out something awesome, like who shot JFK? Not that, that my dad isn't really my dad. Jesus. <laughs> you're much of
1: doctor, the doctor's like, you're doing fine. But I have to tell you, Lee Harper, Harvey Oswald did not act a little bit. <laughs>
0: I was back to the afterlife scenario. Damn it! But that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Like, come on! Like, that'd be a great way to sort of defeat kind of all this like massive like we can't trust doctors is like you just doctors no really
1: problem. just told you about everything.
0: Yeah, just just like. And by the way, I've got a little uh, science uh, test that I think you'd like to see here. This explains how internal combustion works. You know, like, I think it could work. It could turn things around. <laughs>
1: The... Only it's true for the medical profession. <laughs> it's alright for the medical profession. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> Those poor devils. Uh yes. All right. Anyway, so no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, comics. 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 Take two. Yes. Uh so um, I write Jeff. Yes. Well, let me talk because I believe uh, about Moya Simon, uh, Tales of Agriculture, because that was our cliffhanger from last week. Remember. Yes. Is it good? Well uh, Oh god no. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Actually there was a commenter who said that they really uh liked it in in uh one of our message threads, but said that they were quite bummed that there wasn't going to be that it was the future of the future volumes were kind of up in the air, whether or not Del Rey was gonna get around to publishing them. Um I liked Moya Simon, but I thought I would love it, and I found myself not really connecting with it. I mean, perhaps unsurprisingly, considering I had come from Bakuman, which is such a uh, kind of... You know, it's 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 like a streamlined, brutally efficient entertaining machine. I think Bakuman. You know, it's like it's like manga is manga. Like the amount of detail in the backgrounds is, is amazing, and the amount of everything that's nailed down that you're being told so much stuff, and yet there's always story hooks being told in. Like these are guys who are like working really, really hard. And uh, Moi Simon is a very I would almost. Say leisurely manga. the mm-hmm. The idea is that it's got sort of this classical setup of like these two young men start attending the agricultural university in Tokyo, and they the one of them has had the ability from a very young age to actually see germs and communicate with them, and uh, weirdly enough, once he's back at this agricultural school, his ability sort of moves to the forefront and it sort of starts like it's going to jump like he instantly like there's sort of a smell and all these germs and he believes that there's a dead body on campus because they just attended a rally where someone had mentioned that a woman had been missing for like three days so and this professor shows up and everyone's trying to figure out where to dig and he's you know the student can figure it out because he sees where the germs are coming out of the ground Uh, and it turns out to be actually a super clever fake out like the the dead body in the ground is actually a um, dead seal that the that one of the agriculture professors has like buried in the ground because he is um, fermenting birds in its stomach which is apparently some sort of crazy <laughs> Inuit meal so you go from like is somebody dead to sort of the comical professor showing up and basically sucking the the guts of fermented birds out through their butts. And uh, (laughs) great first chapter, but after that, it really does kind of take all your expectations and throws them out the window. And what you're replacing
1: Well, to be fair, how do you follow up that?
0: Yes, you would really wonder, right? So, they they actually, like, move to a very leisurely, sort of um, completely different manga, which is, it's very much a comedy. Uh, It But it's also, it's super, super luxury. Whereas Bakuman ends up taking a lot of different viewpoints and very neatly slicing them up among the characters so that it leads to, I guess, ideological conflict. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Moya Simon, half of the, like your main protagonist really doesn't have much of an opinion. He just sort of has a skill and he doesn't even necessarily know the names of germs, but he's able to visually recognize them. Um, And it's supposed to be a very fun way to sort of... And the the germs are done super, super cute, cartoony, little, almost like little doodles. Um, And then you have the various other characters basically talk or argue or debate about what the organisms are and whether they're good or bad. Um, Ultimately, though, it was one of those things where it's like, I love the first 40 pages, the second 40 pages I read intently... And then pretty much for the next 120 pages or so, I kind of slog through it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it, it, it may be like some of the cartooning style on the part of the author is really super great. I mean, he's got like, there's two graduate students who, well, I, they're probably undergrads who both, you know, one of them just looks almost like a human pickle. Like, you know, um, but... But you never really get to connect with who they are as characters. Like it's kind of I, I, I'm
1: honestly, he says that. My first thought was, is that meant to be a plus?
0: Yeah, actually, it totally is. It totally is. He's probably <laughs> okay. one of my favorite characters just from the way that he looks. Uh, and yet, the and yet everyone else is sort of. It just uh, it didn't work for me. There's a lot of uh, one of the things that's very clever is the margins have. Uh, bacteria, like the characters are introduced in the marginalia of each chapter, and then the bacteria that pop up are also, the little doodles are described uh, as well, but the descriptions are actually kind of flat and they sort of half seem like they're in-jokes or things that will make sense later on, or There's some fun facts. It seems really like kind of a young man's manga. And of course, I'm sure I'll look it up on the Internet and find out I'm completely wrong. And this is being done by some 78 year old. But it really has the feel of somebody whose subject matter really connected with people. Maybe there's a huge agricultural student uh, boom in Japan that I don't know about. But for myself, I was really kind of bummed that by the end of it, I was like, oh, man, I t- said so many, like, I'm so excited to read this kind of thing. And when I got to the end, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm sort of done.
1: Yeah, but that's that's fine. That's, that's your experience reading. It's not like you said, this is the greatest book ever. Everyone should buy it. And then everyone bought it. And then you read it. You're
0: right. And I said, oh, hey, you know what? Yeah. Whereas, like, I, I think the other thing that actually also threw me off is right before, well, I'd started Moya Simon and I made it, like I said, I made it to the that first 80-page mark where I was still kind of like, yeah, I'm liking this, but... And then I read uh, Carlos Speed McNeil's uh, voice, you know, the latest Finder. Uh, and you
1: probably went, oh, so this is great comics.
0: Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> I Completely, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it really did scuttle it because, you know, Finder, like that volume of voice is amazingly dense and I mean McNeil is just an astonishing cartoonist there's probably characters in there that actually look like human pickles as well now that I think about it but but her ability to to throw just so much like she really is like a science fiction author doing science fiction comics and her ability to build out a world and actually have you understand it from The inside out. Like it starts off that the first four pages of of Voice had me utterly baffled. And then as I slowly remembered and caught on, because it starts off with what seems to be a beauty contest, but it is essentially um, a sort of selective application for into the clan. You know, one of her various clans who's this sort of almost elfin very androgynous race where both the, the men and the women have breasts, for example, and it's essentially a drama queen race. Um, there's a limited number of like essentially knight ships within the clan, and so this clan, every year, to have the contest to see who can be admitted into the upper echelons of those families to prove that you're deserving of having essentially a rank and a, a, a title and property and things like that, are essentially in a beauty contest and as if that wasn't kind of i don't know like strange and amusing enough that she starts off with this androgynous beauty contest at which you know essentially whole family histories are at stake she then twists the story and throws it into another completely stranger direction and uh it it it's a hell of a read I definitely uh, I, And I apologize Because I didn't ask If you'd already read it So you could I, I have
1: not And going. it's In part because I actually haven't read Enough Finder mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to wait Until Dark Horse has Because they've just put out Like the first of their Omnibus family Right, right I, I think so uh, And, and yeah. I kind of wanted to get that And start from the beginning I was supposed to jump in At this point Which I know is ridiculous Because I've already read A lot of Finder Based upon your recommendation mm-hmm. So I'm sorry You know I've read Like the middle Right, um, but I liked it so much that I was like, "Oh, I know I like this now.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. go
1: back to the start." So yeah, I haven't. I have voice.
0: Yeah, I I actually felt that I was pretty lucky because I because McNeil had been so absent from she'd been doing the voice as a web comic, which really I had horrible luck following and finding, um, no pun intended, and. Uh, I was very lucky in that I had recently lent one of the books to Lauren Davis. Um, let's see if I can see it on my shelf, because I'm not close enough to it. Uh, yeah, I lent Lauren Talisman, which actually has the same family uh, at the centerpiece as the family mm-hmm. and voice, and so it was really easy for me to jump from into into this book, but I really was kind of it's a tough book to actually um, recommend, in a way, to newbies. I really do think that that um, Five Crazy Women book is probably one of the best. That and Talisman are both super entryways into I was
1: going to say, I want to say Talisman is the one you suggested to me. I've read Five Crazy Women, but I think that came after Talisman for me.
0: That, that's and, probably true.
1: But yeah, Talisman was just... It was one of those... I started it and I thought, oh, I think I like this. And then really quickly, I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just like, a, oh, this is kind of good. It went from, yeah, this is okay to, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah. In yeah. a really small space of time. <laughs> it was yeah. like, um, for that, it, it was like Brandon Graham for me. It was like King City.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where I mm-hmm. went from pretty much, you know, this is good to, I love this
0: endlessly. <laughs> yes. <Specifically. laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, she is that way, and um, it's kind of interesting because, unlike, like she and she, uh, it's so interesting that you mentioned Brandon Brent, Brent Graham because certainly the King City stuff is somewhat similar. Like, arguably, he's also doing very character based sci fi comics, but it would be very hard for me to, like instantly point one person to the other just because her stuff her, there's something about her stuff where it's like she has the most entertaining footnotes uh end notes and it it sounds horrible to say like you know like i think most people are like Ugh, i do not want to read end notes in my comics at all but her it it really does serve such a good purpose and are so enter, entertaining in and of her themselves I guess. I, I'm
1: such a nerd because honestly, I was like, you know, it's in comics, awesome.
0: <laughs> I mean, I say
1: most people don't want to read them. And I honestly was like,
0: why not? Seriously? <laughs> well, you know, I went through a period where I, I really liked From Hell and I liked Finder, but there was some other. Oh, you know what it was? If
1: the the comic is good, I'll read the endnotes. If the comic is not and the endnotes are there, like, I don't know if you remember, but after Watchmen, lots of really bad superhero comics all of a sudden had, like, a text page at the end. Right. And I was like, it doesn't make you any better.
0: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and I think this is the thing you and I had had very different reactions to, but I I was not crazy about the first volume of, of Phonogram, and I really felt like the text pages in Phonogram were used to kind of help um, basically give a, a narrative thread to people who weren't understanding what, you know, who weren't hadn't lived through that era of Britpop so that they could...
1: Get yeah, no, I, I can totally get that I mean, phonogram is very much uh, you had to be there fiction. Yeah, yeah I think uh, so. and, and I think the end notes there were a crutch Mm-hmm, mm-hmm it's yeah, just like know. Phonogram I had a much better reaction to Phonogram because I had been there.
0: Right. But like yes. if
1: Phonogram had been about like the same time period but American music, I would have been like, What? Peril <laughs> Pearl Jam.
0: <laughs> I love that you say Pearl and it sounds like Peril. That's because that's how the word
1: is pronounced, Jeffrey. <laughs> This is, this is an ongoing thing with Kate and I, where I say herb, because the word has an H at the start of it, and Kate always finds that very amusing.
0: <laughs> well, to be fair, it is very amusing, Graham. Uh, <laughs> how,
1: do you, how do you spell the word, Jeff?
0: Uh, which which word is this? Air or hair? Herb. Oh, herb. Oh, you mean like herb? Yes, like yes. H-E-R-B? Except it's
1: not spells, U-R-B, Jeff.
0: <laughs> But, Graham, okay, here's the thing. It's spelled with an H, but the H It's spelled with be... an H and an E. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, so well, I pronounced it herb. I pronounced it herb? Herb? It herb? herb? Um,
1: exactly,
0: herb. Herb. I mean, but the H used to be silent in lots of words that start with H, which is why you used Life. to have the A-N oh, in front of it.
1: Come up with some others.
0: History, historical... Uh, hierarchy. Um, I,
1: I think you're making my point for, for me with every single word you're saying.
0: No, I'm serious. Historical, historical pronounce... Historical has an H, it historical. does. But, no, no, okay, Graham. <laughs> I have to admit, <laughs> historical, if you're... I mean,
1: you're what you're basically saying is if you are a bad, like, cockney stereotype of <laughs> Mary Poppins, then yes, herb is pronounced herb. Also,
0: well, it's
1: a jolly holiday.
0: I mean, seriously. <laughs> but but that used to be much more common, is what I'm saying. Like English and American English back in the 17th and 18th century, we all sounded like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. That was our that was our, our <laughs> generation shame. Did. That's what we did. That, that's why we were very full of anger and lashed out. White
1: people sounded like Dick Van Dyke, and black people sounded like James Earl Jones.
0: Three names that's the way it was is Van I guess Van is actually a name anyway I I suppose you're right if you if your intent was to crush me with the rhetorical logic that words with H do in fact have an H in them them. yeah Yeah, you have yeah I concede the ground sir well well argued well argued Uh, okay well that (laughs) argument will make no one look good Uh, I can't wait for it to hit the internet Uh, how about yourself what have you been reading
1: uh, I actually have read all of this week's comics today um, because I had to go and get uh, some for Techland mm. um, and i can I can just give you a quick rundown. Almost do- everything this week disappointed me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually kind of stunned. It's rare that I have so- like weeks where literally with ma- like maybe two exceptions, I'm disappointed.
0: <laughs> yeah, it seemed like um, it was going to be a pretty good week
1: too. Uh, Captain America uh, is first of all showing you very clearly how they're going to split it into two books uh, mm-hmm. but also it's just Ed Brubaker retreading his greatest hits mm-hmm. um, Thor is terrible <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, I mean really truly appallingly bad uh-huh. um, especially because they have a fill-in artist halfway through the book oh wow yeah, Pascal Ferry all of a sudden disappears and is replaced by Sal Laroca from Iron Man, who, in his defense, is trying his best to be Pascal Ferry. Right. Uh, and actually gets surprisingly close. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just I mean, the story makes no fucking sense. <laughs> I mean, not even vaguely. I know Matt Fraction's going for like epic, but even epics have some <laughs> sense of logic. It's it's stunning. Uh, it's, oh. it's kind of amazingly <laughs> badly written. Uh, <laughs> and also, you might not remember, but Thor, the plus one issue of Thor, came out last week. Right. So theoretically, this is the issue of Thor that the new readers will then jump onto, being like, I'm so excited to read Thor. And there's multiple drawbacks. One, it's the last issue of Thor before it gets renamed Journey into Mystery and they right. launch a Thor book. Two, it's part seven of his seven part story. <laughs>
0: It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, good,
1: good, good going, Marvel. You completely screwed the pooch on that one.
0: Okay. Uh, Before you tell me the rest of the books, you have to stop letting the cat walk on that bag of dried cherries. Because I can totally hear you patting the bag like repeatedly. I point out my cat is dead.
1: <gasps> oh, fuck. <laughs> and um, it is my hand. It's because I'm making emphasis by hitting the table, and I'm actually just hitting the vibe.
0: Well, I, uh, I, yes, so, I yes, was trying to be no clever more, and, of no course, relaxed. No okay. <laughs> yes, God <I> died, Jess.
1: <laughs> you could have gone for the dogs. At least you know they were right.
0: But I knew they were out of the room. And, of course, to be fair, I remember your cat fondly and knew that it was... I just figured you guys maybe had a new one. I thought I was trying to be clever because at some points when you were you talking... You thought you were being cute. I did, because it sounded like a little cat walking back and forth. You know, you forth know, you know
1: what back. that noise was, really? What was it? It was the dignity of Thor just creeping out the room. <laughs> this is this is what happens in Thor, seriously. So they've had six issues of build-up. Right. Like, which make essentially no sense, but six issues build above. of... These big terrible creatures mm. are coming down the world tree, right? Uh, and they're going to decimate everything, right? And they, they get here and they're like, We're killing you, Odin. And Thor's like, Okay, I'm gonna cut the world tree in half, and then they disappear.
0: When you mean they, do you mean everyone, or do you no, mean... no, just,
1: just the bad guys,
0: just the bad guys disappear, yeah? Wow, the end. Really stupid, and didn't Odin just come back like two issues yeah, previous?
1: Yeah, well, Odin's still around, but he's he's still around. But yeah, he right. just came back two issues pre- previous. Yeah,
0: right. But then he came back two issues previous, and then he's the thing being threatened that Thor has to then be like, not out yeah, on yeah, my watch. Yeah, wow, dude, that sounds seriously kind of terrible.
1: Oh, it's 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 amazingly bad. <laughs> I mean, it's really really terrible. Uh, including Thor actually says, "Father, father, I live." at one point. To which the villain responds, rise up, you cretins, stop the boy, and Odin says, boy, only I get to call him that. That is the type of dialogue you're getting in Thor these days.
0: Oh, wow. Um... It's really, 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 really,
1: really bad. And the idea that like it's taken them seven issues to do this is stunning. The idea that I mean, the reason it's taken seven issues is because Matt Reaction has been madly in love with Pascal Ferry's art. Mm-hmm. And his art, Don't get me wrong. But for them to have a fill-in artist for the climax, <laughs> it's just like, wow! How, that's amazing to me!
0: Wow! It is amazing to me too. I have to say that that is... Um... If
1: you make the art the selling point of your book, you don't have a fill-in artist for the last chapter.
0: Yeah. You yeah don't. For the, for you, the grand just climax. Wow! <sighs> Dude. So, I'm curious, what was the point one about? Did you read it? Do you know what's going on I did there? actually read it. It was a fill-in issue. Right. Uh, it was Dan Abnett
1: and Andy Lanning and Mark Brooks, and it was mm-hmm. apparently about the Wrecking Crew, or the Grey Gargoyle. I think it was Grey Gargoyle, actually. Oh, right, to set um, him up for Fear Itself or something. No, because he's not in Fear Itself. That's why I'm like, it's not the Wrecking Crew, because I think they are in Fear Itself.
0: Oh, I, thought, uh, I thought Great Gargoyle was on the promotional posters for Fear Itself. Is he? Yeah, he. Is. I, I, like, I might be entirely misremembering.
1: Yeah. Hey, okay, maybe he is. Maybe it serves more, more purpose than I thought. Then, but yeah, apparently it's because uh, I. I was listening to the Splash Page podcast, the the Chad Neva and Tim Callan podcast, and Yay. they were just, they were just like, this is this is an inventory issue. <laughs> this oh, this shoot. is a villain that they just obviously thought they'd use because it serves no purpose.
0: oh man. Ugh wow what the hell are they well i i don't know i don't know what their big plans are for thor but i cannot i just kind of
1: launching them and putting them face to face with galactus which he's never done before if you ignore the times he's come face to face with galactus before yeah,
0: yeah exactly like more than once i believe right yes yeah,
1: he definitely
0: so. definitely did it in the
1: um
0: the kirk uh, lee kirby stories and he did it afterwards I think yeah I want to say,
1: say he did it in, like when John Bus- Buscema
0: exactly B- Bushema was drawing it because it's that whole thing of essentially they they're having all these problems with Ego the Living Planet so they basically sick Galactus on him or vice versa I don't remember but as I, I recall
1: just when you said that I suddenly was like you know what I want to see a DC Marvel crossover was Ego the Living Planet versus Mogul
0: see that would be awesome that would be like on the little list of you know i mean this is the kind of thing like those things always seem awesome but i have to say like i remember when the 90s when they did that marvel dc event and they really did they made fastidiously made lists they matched up everybody against everybody they let the readers vote on who would win uh and it still somehow ended up being like really lackluster you know. That being said, yes, Ego versus Mogul would be awesome.
1: But, but here's the thing.
0: That was pretty lackluster. but I think JLA
1: Avengers was actually wonderful. And yes, JLA Avengers true. made me wish that they really did do that every year.
0: Yeah. Well, but that was such a... I mean, that was clearly a labor of love for all involved. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, no offense to everyone else. I'm sure that the people who put in the work at the time, that they... Did like that might have some of that some of those pages might have been Dan Juergens' labor of love, you know. But I just yeah. Uh, until you've got the the thing that was really great about the Busek Perez JLA Avengers was how it had a super well grounded story hook in the DC continuity, um, and it it also sort of took in a weird way its structure from those sort of JLA JSA crossovers. Uh, and then it really mixed things up. And the fact that Busick is one of those writers who I think does can write both sides of the fence very well. I think there are some guys whose strengths are more in one company than another. But mm. but Busick really was able to catch everyone very, very well in that. Um, in fact, yeah, the the whole sequence where it seems like they've been, you know, the, the, yeah, the teams... the, the, have the been third annoyed. issue when
1: they've been doing it for years?
0: Yes, was... Awesome! That was so brilliant, and and yeah. So I mean, you're right. On the one hand, I suppose it'd be great. So yeah, if you can get Busick and George Perez, and I know you've got this sort of clout now, Graham. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, I have this clout, didn't you know that? I control the internet. Yes. I'm going to ignore that and get <laughs> back to my list of comics that I've read by going through by telling you one of the ones that I was surprised that I really did like, which is um, Scarlet Green. Number Five. Yeah, I love Scarlet. Um, Green Lantern, Emerald Warriors, number eight, which is the third part of their new Green Lantern crossover. Really? And do you know what I enjoyed about it? Someone finally in story points out that Hal Jordan is a shitty Green Lantern. Really? Yeah. That's... It's Hal. It's Hal Jordan versus Guy Gardner because the whole pitch of the blo- the crossover is the um whatever the the yellow fear god thing has gone back into the lantern and made the Green Lantern rings uh, have the yellow weakness again. Mm -hmm. But in the process, he's also ended up brainwashing all the Green Lanterns, apart from the ones who have come into contact with him before. Hmm. So theoretically, Hal Jordan and Guy Gardner, because they have come into contact with him before, are not affected, but they're kind of affected because you've got to have a fight between your your heroes. Right. But... Guy Gardner actually like pretty much spends the issue being like, Why does everyone look up to you? You've tried to destroy the universe. You keep on fighting with the guardians, you always think you know what's best. Like he spends the entire issue being like, You're shit. You're really bad <laughs> Which I love what someone just said in 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 the comic.
0: <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome.
1: Well I, I, I Sorry,
0: on you go. Oh, no, no, no. I, I thought this would actually be a great jumping off point uh, that sadly it seem, seems like more and more I use this podcast as, as a, 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 an excuse to talk about why people should follow us or at least you on Twitter. But I really enjoyed the conversation that you and uh, Ragnell had about the sort of the, the frustration about the Predator Star Sapphire um, stuff uh, yes. that was going on. And I really liked Ragnell's suggestion that the Predator was essentially sort of kind of like the parallax, the flaw that got into the heart of the star sapphires rather than the embodiment, I guess.
1: Which makes so much more sense because there's always been a real problem with the idea that the Predator is the embodiment of love. Yes. Like That's just really weird. Mm-hmm. And you know, on one hand I'm kind of like, well, it came from Steve Englehart, so of course. Do you know what right. I mean? Like, sure, he he came up with some pretty wacky stuff when he was mm-hmm. doing lantern anyway, as we've said many times. But um but the fact that Jeff Johns like has not retconned it. Right. Is really kind of stunning. It's like it's you kinda of just want to be like, it's not okay. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this this actually is one of those things that needs retconning or needs addressing <laughs> at least. Yes, the predator should not be something. Anything called the predator should not be the personification of love.
0: Yeah, yeah, like uh, that,
1: and kind of, that's kind of creepy.
0: Yeah, I well, and, and what I thought was the solution was so elegant.
1: Oh, yeah, it, just, it really was. It was so simple.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have to say that there's, you know, there's a lot of people that I see on Twitter that I think are incredibly talented people, and it's like, yeah, people should like give them a shot. But between this and something that that Ragnell was saying about um, was it Wonder about, Woman, she yeah,
1: not on fire talking about Wonder Woman lately. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, I yeah. really, it's like someone should just let her like control Wonder Woman because she's entirely right. Was it the the discussion today about what made her different from Superman and Batman?
0: Uh, no, I haven't seen that yet Oh, so her ba- her basic point is this
1: What makes her different from Superman and Batman is She makes the choice to be who she is As opposed to Superman and Batman are forced into it by circumstance They have tragedy which drives them to be those characters Whereas mm. one of them makes the decision She chooses to leave She has to go through a tournament She has to fight to leave And what she's fighting for is the future She's fighting for the chance to discover new things
0: mm, mm-hmm.
1: And she's like, mm. that's what makes the character different That is why the character is important Yeah Which is true
0: Yeah yeah. There, w- there was another thing. It was actually when she and Carla Hoffman were talking uh, on Twitter a couple of days back. And uh, I think Carla had mentioned the idea of like there should be more like dragons and stuff in Wonder Woman. And Ragnell talked about the idea of having Wonder Woman be sort of a, a knight, you know, kind of like entering tournaments to-, to joust for virtue and stuff like that. And it was such a great take on it you know, like sort of tying Wonder Woman back to kind of the, the, almost the Arthurian concepts of, of, you know, the the courtly knight that represents virtue and sort of fights as an embodiment of virtue. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, that's such a great take. And even like, if you can imagine Wonder Woman sort of participating in interdimensional tourneys and things like that, it was suddenly like, wow, this is such a solid hook on on this character so yeah she's got a really good strong sense uh i think on uh wonder woman so no she really really does yeah those not following her following her and i think she's got like tons of followers so i don't think that it's a big you people probably are it's r as in robert a g n as in nancy e l l right now she it's one of those things where she's Normally, super, super complaining about stuff, and so I was, you know, I followed she her. She is, they... she
1: is, and she isn't like she's very passionate about what she cares about. Yes, but it's it's the right type of passionate. It's not always they're doing it wrong. It's mm-hmm. this is why they're doing it wrong, and this right. is what people miss about the character, and this is why the character is important. I mean, I, I love she. You cannot have a conversation with her about Wonder Woman, or for that matter, about the Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. and not come away with a, with a greater appreciation of the character.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And so uh, I, I really find that following her and some of her ideas are one of those things where I'm like, yeah, let this person try and write this book. I, I would read the hell out of that. So, on a, like I said, I follow her stuff on a very consistent basis. I find myself saying that, which I don't often. So, yeah, well worth saying. So... Hmm, I apologize for how we You got... completely
1: interrupted me. You
0: I did. To... Oh, because it was the Green we're Lantern. About, we're talking about Green Lantern, yeah. Yes. Um, Who wrote that issue of Emerald Warriors, by the way?
1: It's Peter Tomasi, who's been I... writing them all. Gotcha.
0: Um,
1: also, I love this week action comics purely because Paul Carnell does something that I've always wanted to see in a superhero comic, which is the villain of the piece makes his grand reveal, uh-huh. explains what he was doing, and Lex pretty much just starts laughing. He's like, dude, I've known this for ages. <laughs> <laughs> like, just cuts him off. And it's like, I can't keep a straight face while you're telling <laughs> <laughs> me. Uh, which, is, I mean, it just continues to be a funny, funny comic. I mean, it, you know, dramatic and, you know, the universe is imperiled, of course. But it really is just like, whenever it has the opportunity, it will just poke fun at convention, which I really like. Along some of the lines, the Jimmy Olson one shot is spectacular. Great. Really, really, really good. And also the end of it seriously underlines for me how much it was to Scott Pilgrim. Oh, really? I-, I always thought it was Scott Pilgrim as Jimmy Olson. But That's you can't funny. you can't read this the end of it without being like, wow, it really is. Wow. Uh, That's brilliant. Which, you know, and the other thing is, and I, I said this in Techland today, so I'm not spoiling anything for anyone anywhere, but um, it's it's really, it's a spectacular comic, but it's also a comic that I'm really glad is a one-shot.
0: Because
1: mm, it, it lets you love it, but you know that if it was an ongoing book, within like three months, you'd be like, oh God, just stop already.
0: Because <laughs> it's so
1: fun, and it's so uh unapologetic and just like here is fun which is in a short <laughs> right thing, uh approach. But if it was an ongoing book, after a while you'd just be like, no 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 no.
0: Hmm. Oh, that's really interesting. I would not have expected that, I think. good so uh because I think, in a way, you're, you were—you know, know—you like many others were kind of bummed that he sort of he wasn't going to be continuing to do it. I—I
1: well, I really was until I got to the, the until I got the full book. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like it's, when it's ten pages a month, as right? As opposed to when it's a, a full thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I am fascinated. I will look forward to. Hopefully, I'll be able to get into the shop next week. I don't know. In theory, I could go in there tomorrow before WonderCon, but hmm. are you? Yeah, why not? Right, exactly. Why not? The world is my Erster.
1: So. Uh, also in the disappointment category, uh, Butcher Baker, the, what's it called? Butcher Baker, The Righteous Maker. Yes. Uh, Joe Casey's new book. Um, it's it's really trying hard. Um, but in a weird way, it's trying hard to be lots of things you've already read.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: Uh, if you've read, for example, uh, Electra Assassins,
0: that's or, so funny,
1: or, right? Or mm-hmm. Casanova, or mm-hmm. things like that. Like it seems a very self-conscious. Mm-hmm. Like I am out there with my crazy ideas about America. Book. <laughs> um, it looks lovely, it should be said. Michael Sussman's art is really great all the way through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's there's something. I think what it is is if I when I'm looking for crazy ideas and super invention in my books mm-hmm. I want them to not be not come with an undertone of look how great I am <laughs> which I, I felt all the way through this issue
0: right right huh which I think
1: I would think in a really weird way something that Casey does all the time I think Casey comes up with great ideas but I think he always somewhere along the line tries to tell you that it's a great idea mhm do you know what I mean? Mm. Which which changes the reading of it really majorly.
0: There's a
1: difference reading something and deciding for yourself that it's a great idea and reading something and then being told, don't you think that's a great idea?
0: Right. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I, although, I don't know. I mean, you know, one of the things is I'm aware there's times where he, like, you know, puts his tongue in cheek and it's almost like a, um, you know, quasi Stan Lee-ish type thing. But I... I'll be honest like Casey's one of those guys where it's like when I was reading him and Ledron doing you know Ledron doing the art on cable I was like this guy is great and then a lot of the other stuff I went on to read I was like Ledron is great you know it's <laughs> so
1: I think I think Casey comes up with great ideas and I think he is really good but he always has to work in a a framework and the framework is always present in his work. Mm. Like you always, he's writing Adventures of Superman, and you can see when he gives them interviews and he's like, "You know, I'm writing Superman as super pacifists, and I'm doing it in an updated Silver Age style." All of that is present when you're reading the book, and not in a good way. You yeah. can read that has set up this framework for himself, right. uh, or you know, his X Men was the same thing. Mm-hmm. Or, but the alternative to that is something like Butcher Baker or Automatic Kafka. Where he's like, I'm being crazy and wacky and right. making big points, mm-hmm. and it doesn't just—it just doesn't coalesce.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's like I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm really happy for you, feeling that you're unbound.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's—it's it's sort of like you know that that Star Trek episode where Captain Kirk gets split into two, kind of, and one's like crazy and feral, and the other one's sort of passive and sheep-like. You know, there's there's something to me where, like. Joe Casey is Grant Morrison without that really vital element X, you know, that makes the stuff genuinely interesting? Because they're both very good at talking a good game, and they both have...
1: Can I make a suggestion what that element X is? Sure. Sentiment. Hmm. I, I I think the thing that separates Morrison from Casey is Grant Morrison, at his heart really cares about people and really wants happy endings i i i don't think casey does in the same way i think casey would rather you marveled at his work whereas grant morrison would rather you felt his work
0: uh hmm. yeah i don't know that that could be it although i think that even the most nihilistic thing that i've read from grant morrison has been interesting You know what I mean? Like, there's a way in which his stuff is interesting, and Casey's work generally strikes me as dull. It ends up boring me, like, way before it even gets to the end or something. I mean, it's something that I've always had a problem with. I just sort of assume that, rightly or wrongly, uh, for me, I would choose the element X of as being, even when Grant Morrison thinks that he's slumming, he's working much harder at it than even he necessarily thinks it being the product and i think joe casey even when he thinks he's working super hard at a book i think he's slumming it in a way that he doesn't quite know i
1: guess i, I think that's
0: it's pretty harsh yeah so, i think I that's, mean, that's maybe
1: a bit harsh on mm-hmm. Casey. i think mm-hmm. what it may be is that casey's And this is going to be me depending Casey By saying something that may be even more harsh Uh, I think his ambition outstrips his talent
0: Yes, yeah And that I think is possibly it as well Is he's just not as able to deliver the goods in that sense Like he says that they're there You can see the framework in which they're there But you don't really feel them before you know them And you don't really get a sense of them, I think you know, um.
1: but at the same time, I'd still rather have a butcher baker than I would have a Thor, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I I.
1: You would not rather have a frustrating book that tr- that's got ambition than a frustrating book that has none. Well,
0: but how <laughs> how ambitious is Butcher Baker when you get down to it? Like if you just said that it was a rehash of oh, no, pretty much I, I, everything else that you've seen, you know what I mean? Like, is that really ambitious or is that? I just... think it's ambitious for him. <sighs> yeah, I guess. I, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think su-
1: he. I think he's trying to do something that he's failing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In some sense, isn't really important. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Because at least he's trying, as opposed to. Star, which I honestly think is Fraction pretending to be ambitious.
0: <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I've
1: read Fraction work, which is infinitely more ambitious than a Star. Sure, Thor is just a mess.
0: Right. Well, Thor is mean, a mess, but oh, no. Okay,
1: or or Brew Baker's Captain America,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: because you know I we've talked about Captain America a lot recently. It feels, um, right. but I feel Brew Baker is costing that.
0: Yeah,
1: that may... I, I feel that, like, this most recent issue is incredibly coasty. Right. And also, weirdly full of Superman references. Really? Yeah, well, uh, the first page is a one-page um, history of Superman. Uh, of Catherine, of, of Captain America. <laughs> it was the history of Superman, that would be a bit too literal what I just said. Um, in which you're given his history in... Five panels, each with a caption that is very short. That really reminded me of the opening of All Star Superman. Right. Uh, one of the stories in it is called "Must There Be a Captain America?" Mm-hmm. Which isn't that there a, isn't that there a must there be a Superman or
0: am I imagining that? Uh, i I that
1: not, like a really famous Superman story? Am I totally imagining? No, that? No, I think I think you're
0: right. Now that you mention it, it might be that uh, I think I think in fact that sounds familiar from the. Elliot s Megan area I yeah. think yeah uh, let's see here <laughs>
1: also really really bizarrely there's <laughs> also a Kurt Swan drawing of, of Captain America
0: wow well that will do it won't it uh, must there be a Superman wait is this the um all right hold on here there's something on the Superman page of some sort that uh, I should be opening
1: no, there you go. There, there's a must. There be a Superman.
0: Okay, it was just. Uh, I just wanted to double check because there was that story. Su- that had... Superman
1: issue two forty-seven.
0: Yeah, I think I actually have this issue. Weirdly enough.
1: See, and you don't even remember.
0: <laughs> dude, I've been See? going through my old comic books. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. It, it, well, because I really was like looking at it. I was so much a Marvel guy as uh, up until like my teenage years, like so so heavily. I mean, there are Batman and even some Justice League books there, but like I can look at them and read them, and it's almost like reading them new again because I was not reading them three or. Five, oh no, no,
1: five times, I, I I know the feeling. You know? I've, I yeah. used to have when I when I really hit a collection. I'd read things and I'd be like,
0: How, have I even read this before. Right, exactly. So yeah, um. Huh. Well, maybe maybe there are some really interesting Superman things. Well, here's the thing. I, even though it took me forever to get around to reading them, I really enjoyed those Captain Americas uh, all lit ago. go, um, like 10 or 12 issues. And although I feel it's a little too formulaic, it's still much more satisfying to me than most of the stuff that I've read from Casey in a very long time, you know? So I think that might be a better comparison for me for Thor. Also, it's really kind of hard, I think, to say that, you know, maybe Fraction in trying to write Thor is way, way outside of his wheelhouse, and it's actually much harder work for him and doesn't come... You know what I mean? Like, he could be sweating his balls off trying to do it and just failing in a way that just doesn't work for him, you know? And I'm not saying that that's the case, because clearly I haven't read the issues, and I'm certainly not going to, but... I I do I get a little trepidatious that we are jumping <laughs> we're, we're comparing the imagined mental states of one writer to the imagined mental state of another writer and you're sort of like well clearly this one at least is the imagined mental state that is, that is trying harder yeah exactly I'm like uh when you put it that way Graham how can I disagree with you because I you know what I mean like
1: as long as we agree I think everything's fine
0: Really I, I I don't know point. what your problem is, Jeff. <laughs> Which uh allow me to jump back and say that I've been loving the DC showcase Justice League of America Volume Five that you talked about the other week ago. See? <laughs> oh my god. Well you it's, mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. Spectacular, after. isn't it? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. There is some there is some stuff that I read in there that I literally could not believe that I was reading. Uh And it really helps to know that, like, um, you know, Mike Friedrich was 18 or 19 at the time or something like that, because some of the stories really are. Like, that Harlequin Ellis story makes very little sense. You know what I mean? Like, even from the view of something that makes sense, it doesn't make much sense. And there's other stories he has where it's like things that just weirdly fault, like action scenes that make no sense and characterizations and suddenly Hawkman who on the one page is like mentioned as knowing the totality of Earth's knowledge like suddenly doesn't know what a Bic lighter is on the next page or something like it's really weird like stuff like I can't say
1: hey, he had the totality of Earth's knowledge you, you can forget some things that's a lot of stuff
0: <laughs> but the thing is is that this stuff is really entertaining and good God is it heartfelt. Oh my God. I mean that's the thing that's amazing. When you read something like The Private War of Johnny Dune, like it's... or or even some of the other stuff, like he really goes right to that place, which is inevitably the, you know here are aliens that are constructing wars on other worlds just so they can profit isn't that wrong reader you know and it's like wow he but really it's,
1: isn't it kind of a spectacular he's like the love child of danny o'neill and bob Haney.
0: yeah he kind of is he kind of is um and he's just sort of in the same way that joe casey's this weird mirror of uh Grant Morrison, I feel that he's very much, he's, he so reminds me of Steve Englehart's stuff, uh, but Englehart just sort of has like kind of a better handle on how to do some of the things that, that Friedrich's doing. I mean, that's a judgment call on my No,
1: mind. no, I, I think you're right, though. I think Englehart knew when to dial it back. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I got the feeling that my Friedrich just like felt everything so intently that he was like, oh my god, Batman is in love with Black Canary! Oh, God! It is as, true! Like, as yeah. Steve Algarve would be like, I'll do this for a subplot and a couple of issues and draw it out. Whereas it's just like, from nowhere, this is here and it's real.
0: Right. Exactly. I mean, it really is. Like, if you really want, like, if you wish that you could read a superhero comic that also read, like, a 16-year-old guy's diary, like, Justice League Showcase Volume 5 is awesome for that. Like, it I'm really so, is. I
1: have to say, I'm really glad you enjoy it because... I said on Twitter that I enjoyed it and Kurt was basically like oh dear <laughs> and I thought am I the only person who genuinely thinks this is wonderful stuff
0: uh, well I, I can see Well, I can see why because it's that weird sense of
1: it's one of these like I think when people when I say that I love it, people think I mean ironically, and I really don't.
0: Well, yeah. See, I mean, this is this is the weird like people are so used to the idea of you love something because it's good, or you love something if you love something because it's bad, that you're loving it in an ironic way. Um, and and admittedly, I feel like for an entire ironic generation, like loving something ironically was a way to appreciate it without. Having to be without a, like,
1: owning yeah owning the emotion, yeah
0: yeah, exactly, um, and I think it's very difficult to try and talk about this weird way in which something is not especially good, but that doesn't mean that there aren't things about it that you can genuinely love, you know what I mean, and I yeah. think that's where things get thrown off, like the Bob Haney stuff is absolutely delightful, and there's stuff in this Mike Friedrich stuff where I just you know it doesn't come together, but, you know, he goes for it. Oh, yeah, there's
1: there's only, like, to my mind, like, one story, like, two issues that do not... that don't work.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And that's the, the, like, the alien pet uh, JSA crossover story, which I think is just, is just, like, bad. But but everything else, there's really something admirable about it and definitely something enjoyable.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that it is very... Yeah, exactly. But I do think that there is a sequence of, be, because it is, because it's trying too hard and it is kind of embarrassingly over-earnest, I can see people who are actually reading it at the time being like, oh no, this is not good and you will, you can't appreciate this. You know what I mean? Like, because I think if I'd read this stuff at as a kid, like I said, you know.
1: Oh, I, like, I think if you read as a teenager, I think mm-hmm. you'd have this moment of embarrassment. Because yeah. you'd be so close to your yourself mm-hmm. if that makes sense like the mm-hmm. the, the parts that you don 't want the world to know that you have
0: right right, yeah there 's something deeply embarrassing and awkward about it, which again, like for me, like rereading some of the Englehart Captain America stuff there are bits and pieces that are embarrassing about it, or pieces of his Green Lantern stuff where he really did, you know, seem to go a little more off the rails uh, in the 80s than, than he did in the 70s, which is really interesting. Uh, but for the most part, you're kind of like, you're. It's, it's somehow not like, it's just somehow not personally embarrassing the way that some of the Justice League of America stuff is, but but i think from a distance the distance of time or whatever it it's really i really do kind of admire the hell out of it cuz he really is like he's god damn it like he really does believe that you know in this 22 page story he's going to lie you know lay bare the hypocrisy of the american dream and show why it's worth fighting for you know it, it, in a story that's about you know i don't know a giant rampaging blue robot or something Not you know exactly. what i mean it's
1: yeah it's great i mean it's mm-hmm. really 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 great
0: mhm mm-hmm.
1: i'm so, so glad you like it i'm so yeah. glad you like it
0: yeah i do but definitely i think that um i can i can see where it's very hard to give to people and just kind of like they would read it and be like, are you kidding? Are you shitting me? You know? So yeah, no, I really, I appreciate the recommendation. I've been enjoying it. So did you want to get back? Are there other, you, there, there, are, there's,
1: there's, there's one other thing that I want to talk about not liking, or okay. not liking, just being really confused by, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, I've been reading just the society of America since Mark Guggenheim took it over. I read the first couple of issues because I wanted to give him a chance. I kind of like the JSA as a concept. Right, and I thought, why not? And they were so odd, but I have kept reading it, and it's one of these things that I am not enjoying it. I am also not really disliking it, but I am just confused by it that I'm continually buying it to work out what it is about this book that I don't even really understand. <laughs> um,
0: Another it's, ringing it's... endorsement.
1: <laughs> well, no, exactly. I mean, I guess. Here's the thing, it is bad. Uh-huh. Um, in part because it makes no sense. It's right. it's, it's, it's not Cornell. It's, um...
0: Uh, you said Guggenheim, right?
1: Guggenheim, I'm so glad, because I completely blanked on his name right there, even though I'm looking at the cover of the comic. <laughs> um, it's Guggenheim moving all the pieces around to where he really wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way in which he does it it's like mm-hmm. the clumsiest most <laughs> ridiculous thing ever. Um, what he wants, and what he finally gets to after six issues, is the Justice society has essentially moved into a city where the flash is the mayor, and the Justice society as a comic is going to become about the society of the city. Uh. Which is an interesting take. right. What it's taken for him to get there. Has been first. The first issue pretty much was civil war if it happened in the DC universe and no one cared. (laughs) Um, Like some of the weirdest villains ever, including one who put micro bombs in the drinking water so that he can detonate anyone he wants as long as they've drunk the water. Wow. Um, There was a guy who broke. Green Lantern's neck even though as they then put down the dialogue that's impossible because Green Lantern's body is made of magic (laughs) like they say this in the comic, they're like well that's not possible they don't actually try and deal with it Okay, this is how they deal with it Green Lantern then returns after five issues of being like I'm crippled I can't do anything also by the way he was bald because they shaved his head for some mysterious reason he returns with a full head of hair but also his new costume is a fucking Green Lantern.
0: I'm really not joking. Wait, His you mean bunch... like the same way someone dress up as a giant sandwich yes. or something? Yes. No, get yes. out.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs> um, and he comes back and he's just like, I had to make myself this new costume so I can operate. <laughs> and it looks like it looks like someone has had a really bad Halloween idea. <laughs> um <laughs> he has killed off Black Lightning's daughter, except she's not dead, because for some reason, Doctor Fate stole her soul, as you do. He has <laughs> made Mr. Terrific from the third smartest man in the DC universe to someone who can't read in a space of five issues. And then this issue is like, no one noticed that you'd got dumber. If he can't read... <laughs> 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 if all of a sudden he cannot read, which he said, it's not like me being like, oh, I'm exaggerating. He actually said that in a line of dialogue. I then this is shit. They're like, like we never noticed. <laughs> it's it's just insane. Also, the entire villain of the plot is the government, which you know we really haven't seen that enough. recently no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who apparently have signed off on blowing up this American city just
0: to piss off the Justice Society. There's no (laughs) reason given. It's just... This is great. This is kind of after talking about the Mike Friedrich stuff, I'm like, clearly you're trying to make me go out and buy issues, right? Because after I described everything, I mean, admittedly, it's one part execution, but that sounds...
1: Oh, the execution is is terrible. (laughs) 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 It's just... It's... It's really just crazy. Jesus it's, Christ. And it, there's been lots of, like, I can't believe the editor signed off on this, not least of which because the double-page splash that finished the last issue, which was the Justice Society All-Stars, who like, the, the team in the other book. Right. Coming, like, coming in to save the day, uh, included the same character in there twice in two different costumes, presumably because no one told the artist that they wear the same character. Get
0: out, Graham. This is insane. Are you serious? This is seriously, like.
1: Seriously, they have, they have Liberty Bell and Jesse Quick, who's the same character. Also, no one has told either Mark Guggenheim or Scott Collins, the artist, that she's actually not a member of the team anymore because she's in the Justice League book. Oh my God. She managed to appear twice
0: in the same doll thread, and she shouldn't be there at all. Um, oh my yeah. god this is amazing this is who edited this a bag of marijuana this doesn't sound like an <laughs> actual person like looked Joy at it before it went to the ed- press he
1: edited it. oh uh, my god it's it's just it's, it's just really weird like it's do you see why uh, i'm like i just keep buying this book (laughs) because i'm like what how did this happen what how how yeah
0: because there's so many things you're like okay is this some sort of weird thing that they're going to explain like because they're not pointing fingers to it and then suddenly you're supposed to catch on that none of this can be happening and therefore is a blah 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 autistic snow globe thing or what the fuck is going on that's amazing
1: and I mean there's just there's lots of awesomeness like the first issue starts it's one of these things that isn't going to read well in the trade unless someone actually goes back in and edits things because the first issue starts with a flash forward six months but it doesn't mm-hmm. say flash forward it's the scene and then they're like six months before right blah blah blah, blah. okay right then every issue after that starts at like 30 minutes ago
0: it's like, a trade will
1: be like wait so are we now six months ahead are we back what ha- like when did this happen and the other thing is I'm not sure the timing actually works out between issues because like they'll give flashbacks and you're like but that means he got from there to there in half an hour while also doing this this and this which should really take more than half an hour
0: <laughs> oh my god uh, oh my god
1: it's, it's one of those things where like he I think they've all got the best of intentions but the execution is just
0: crazy i mean just mark real- guggenheim and scott collins those guys aren't like yeah they're they're not boob, they're not you know? new
1: yeah not, they 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 should all be doing better than this i guess. and
0: have done better i mean you know as far as as far as i'm concerned i i i, I mean guggenheim's stuff at marvel like never really knocked me on my ass the way it seemed to uh, other people but I appreciated it, for Christ's sakes, you know. I, like, holy shit, like, what the hell? Between this and Batman Odyssey, I'm sort of like, what if somebody's, like, slowly dosing the DC editorial staff, you know what That's I mean? Like,
1: perfectly possible, because they, they are, after all, putting out 20 Flashpoint tie-ins in one month. Wait. I was like, did I tell you this? I said this on Twitter, and no one believed me. I swear to God, DC Comics is putting out 20 Flashpoint. They're launching 20 Flashpoint issues in
0: June. You said it, and then I saw a couple of people like blah, blah, blah. But, like, what do you mean? It's, like, no one
1: It's me? 60. People were like, no, it's not really 20. And it really is. It's 16 miniseries and four one shots in June alone. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Holy cow. Which is crazy. <laughs> and also, that, it, it was actually while doing that, uh, doing the, the catalog this month. That I realized I I could never be a retailer. I would not have any clue how to order
0: those. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure I'm sure they're, it it because is they're like...
1: not giving any plot synopsis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're basically saying, "Here's the creators, most of whom you haven't heard of." Right. Uh, it's tying with this miniseries, which you haven't seen. Uh, and here you go. Wow not only that it's all—it's alternate universe stuff so it's, it's actually not continuity the entire point of it is it's not continuity yeah so I mean, exactly surely order it low right
0: right right no exactly I'm sure Hibbs is just going to be like ah, I'm going to look at what subs are going to do and I'm going to do some things but yeah subs plus one because
1: yeah exactly. I can't I also it's 20 times in one month
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I, all I can think is with that alone you have sunk this crossover
0: yeah 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 well you know because you... i i i'm not interested in it and
1: i'm a sucker who bought a lot of black as night stuff <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean i am yes. more interested in fear itself than i am a flashpoint and i am a a massive sap for dc b right. i really like jeff Jones, and i'm not a big fan of fraction mm-hmm. and c like alternate universe stuff i normally like and yet i'm like flashpoint i don't think so
0: Well, did you see the the great Cake Crisis uh, in-house ad, fake in-house ad that uh, the other Jeff and, oh, the Jeff, I apologize for screwing up your last name here, because it's like stro I think. Um, it's Straczynski. No, it's, is it? No, it's not. Damn you, Graham! <laughs> <laughs> All right, hold on, let me see if I can, like, see it. It's Stolarchick, Jeff Stolarchick, who blogs as the other, uh, is on Twitter as, as the, the other, other the Jeff, other Jeff. Yeah. and he's he's part of Alert Nerd. He did a, a created a faux in-house ad for Cake Crisis after the 40 cakes thing in Superman, mm. and it's beautiful, because it's a picture of Lex Luther holding a cake and gloating, uh, you know, and the tagline is, he took 40 cakes, and that's terrible. But the thing that's great <laughs> is the in-house ad thing that where he lists all the titles that tie into it um I'm, i'm just going to read them but you know to me the joke is okay so there's they have this the story begins in cake crisis confection number one and continues in cake crisis one through seven cake crisis world without cake uncle sam and the fondant fighters one through four Batman, Bakeries of Gotham, one through four. Teen Titans Bake Sale, one through four. Cake Hunter, one through four. Superman, Last Cake of Krypton, one through four. <laughs> Doomsday, Cupcake Wars, number one. JLA Slash Cake Boss, number one. Arsenal, Drug Cake, <laughs> one through four. Secret Six, Pies United, one through four. Green Lantern, Emerald Bakers, one through four. Cake Crisis, Return of the New Gods, number one. Wonder Woman <laughs> and the Frosting Furies, one through four. Cake Crisis, Kyle Rayner, number one. Cake Crisis. Crisis Rex the Wonder Dog 1 through 4 Cake Crisis Cake or Death Trade Paperback Cake Society of Evil 1 through 4 Cake Crisis Hypercake 1 through 3 Who's Who in Cake Crisis 1 through 12 Cake Crisis Peacemaker 1 through 4 and concludes in Cake Crisis Aftermath 1 through 10 Green Arrow Cake Quest number 1 Red Robin Funeral Special number 1 Now that is to me horribly accurate like Especially because aside. he's killing off Red Robin. Yes! Yes! That's the part where I'm like, oh my god, he's got it down. He really has Like the secret like to this goddamn like how DC's structuring their events. Just the fact that there's so many titles, he, one-shots. Here's, here's the
1: thing. I honestly think DC did it right with Blackest Night.
0: Uh, with they, the they exception had, had six... of those cancelled one-shot issues, right? Or I, I I will
1: even give them that. That was obviously okay. like a late ad because mm-hmm. you know they're pretty much like, hey, we we're an issue four, but guess what we're doing? <laughs> um, but no, they did they did six mini series of three issues each, right? And maybe like I mean, what eight tie in issues beyond that? Well, yeah, and that yeah. was it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And I was kind of like, wow, you know, you've put them all together, and there's maybe like seven collections for Black as Night. Right. You know, like that's, you know, that's a manageable idea.
0: But mm-hmm.
1: 20 fucking mini series for Flashpoint, <laughs> it boggles my mind. Yeah. It, it boggles my mind. I have yeah. no idea what they're thinking other than we're just going to flood the shelves with our
0: shit. Well, they do this thing. I think they both have this weird thing of someone said, and I feel like it was something that was said to to Marvel of like, why don't you put out... Why can't you put out less titles? And the people are like, why should we do that? We're just leaving money on the table.
1: Yeah, Tom Tom Bramber said that more than once.
0: Yeah, and I feel like, God help me, that is now the official position of both of them just are going to flood the market with as many things as possible, and the retailers are just going to have to suck it up. Well, suck it up, or that they make the hard decisions, you know? So it really is, it's getting into the, you know, the, the comics war has really hit that uncomfortable, who do you love more, me or your dad kind of stage of things. You know what I mean, Lan? it's really... What I
1: think is fascinating is, I first of all, I think we've been there from Marvel side for at least two years. Right. But someone uh, this week was like, when are we ever going to see Bob Harris' effect on DC? And I was like, this is it. Yeah. This yeah. is Bob Harris' effect because mm-hmm. someone was like well it's not as bad that they're launching 20 series because you know they've cancelled some books to do it and it's like you're not going to be like well I'm really going to miss Doom Patrol why do want to buy 20 flashpoint tie-ins that math doesn't work right? Like, right. I really enjoyed what uh, you know Freedom Fighters was doing it's a shame it's been cancelled oh look there's Emperor Aquaman And the idea, the idea that they are just interchangeable. The idea that right. people have just decided, I will spend X amount of money on DC Comics. Right. you've got this book, well, I will just spend it on this other book is right. crazy. Yeah. And the only way they're actually going to grow their market share is to do more diverse titles.
0: Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think there's that weird thing of, I don't know, you know, even when they were talking about how, the, the months where there were no major releases and the marketplace kind of took a, a beating as far as the number of dollars in the marketplace, they did mention that a lot as I recall a lot of the midlist titles sales did go up right yeah did I misunderstand that so no I, no you're
1: right but but then they're like well it didn't go up enough so fuck the lot of them.
0: Right, well, and that's it, because I think it is that kind of, you know, I, I mean, God knows I've ranted about this enough, but Marvel is in the scary short-term money-making business, and I think DC, for the most part, has been in sort of a overly cautious but kind of still greedy kind of way, and now they're just apparently going to be like, well, fuck it, that... Cokehead over there seems to be having a great time. Exactly. Yeah, it's
1: working for Marvel, so why shouldn't we do it? And it's like, there are so many reasons
0: why you shouldn't do it.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so many reasons. But if you don't <laughs> understand that right now, well, we can't do anything.
0: Exactly. Exactly. We'll have to see in eight months and we'll see. I'll see you after you really
1: crashed and burned. I don't care how many of your books are 2 99 You guys are fucked.
0: Yeah. I was fascinated by that DC uh, retailer roundup that uh, ran in the... In Public Publishers Weekly that that Heidi linked to. Did
1: you see that piece? I did not, and I'm really curious because it's like something I'd really like.
0: It, it is. It's pretty pretty interesting. They talked to like four or five different retailers and asked them about different trends over essentially the last year. Um, and I think a lot of it. None of it is especially surprising. Uh, what's interesting is just seeing it across a spectrum of of titles uh, of stores where people are. They're all like, yeah, we've got a we we had to trim the fat we have to you know keep books we have to keep products that we sell but all of these because their stores like meltdown and uh i forget some of the other retailers across the country that they talk to they're all like yeah you know you you don't that doesn't just mean you know i only stock the big the you know the big two i stock books that i know will sell and so for example they both you know the retailers across the board generally talked about how, like Scott Pilgrim and Walking Dead, and you know essentially how how great those those things are and how those are perennials that are very close to looking like perennials anyway, in terms of the you know they're like if you give us quality, we can sell quality, but they they said the whole jump from 3.99 to 2.99, they were like. They should have never gone to three ninety nine. So many people jumped off and I do not see them we, we're not seeing them coming back yet. I do we're not sure if they're ever going to come back. So um, you know, you can't break the people of the habit. And all these retailers do say that well, not all of them, but some of them are like, you know, graphic novels are great for us, but we are tied to the periodical market. We do need people to come in every week. And we you know, we're seeing some really heavy duty effects of you know this, it, and the other thing they said was one of them said that they had done that Batman had done very well for them, and if Batman Incorporated had been shipping on time, it would be like a real solid hit for them. But, yeah, but the, the delays I think apparently are causing some trouble. So
1: well, yeah, Batman Incorporated, like all of the Batman titles, the Batman might has melted down in terms of schedule. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Dark Dark Knight was supposed to be launched in November. Then mm-hmm. suddenly was launched in December. Then actually appeared in January. And issue two came out last week. Wow. 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 So that has just like imploded. And I, I wanna say they've actually solicited it up to like issue
0: five. Really? Yeah. Oh man.
1: Um and, and Incorporated's gone crazy as well. And it's quite clearly Yannick Paquette in that you had two issues in two weeks, but Chris mm-hmm. Burnham did the second one.
0: Right. Right, which is which is kind of amazing. I just think that that's I, I, to me because to me it's like, why would you ship that that second part like two weeks later? Like, I really didn't even know. Oh, it was because, in the because space I space. really think they're trying to catch up. But yeah, I guess they, they've,
1: they've done that before, DC. I've like pretty much double shipped things before.
0: Yeah, I just don't. I don't. I just don't think that that's that's smart because you know catching up to the shipping list. It's like. I would like to think a lot of you know a lot of people are gonna to me I don't know maybe not everyone's as much of a simpleton as I am but I'm like if I pay if a book comes in that week I'm like okay it doesn't matter if it's like a month behind I assume the next one will then be along in a month or longer not like hey good news we're shipping it next week you know it's well,
1: just... what I think is going to happen is they're going to get really fucked because it'll slip off schedule again
0: yes exactly. so it'll be
1: like two weeks three weeks a month. Yeah. 7 months.
0: Yeah, exa- exactly. It's like bank that time while you can. Don't take the 2 weeks, let it, you know, do a month But, and but like again, it, up it up
1: might be because time. it might be because they have a deadline. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, they might have to be at a certain point in, in December. The story might have to be at a certain point in December. Oh, I just see. Like what you're we're right. we're just we have
0: to get there. Right, exactly.
1: Um and which I think is going to be the case because I really get Did you read the re- recent Batman Incorporated, the Cat, the Batwoman issue?
0: I, I read I read issue three, I still haven't seen issue four. Okay, well issue four basically suggests
1: there's a much bigger story going on. Right. Than what they've given away so far. Oh interesting. Um and it's a story that involves more than just Batman. Oh. Interesting. Um which really makes me think, oh, there's like another crossover coming up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um because <laughs> Batwoman doesn't just as guest star in Batman mm-hmm. Incorporated before. She's pretty much the co-star. Mm. She doesn't team up with Batman at all.
0: Hmm. <laughs> she's just doing things
1: in like doing other things, scenes of the book? She's doing things in other scenes of the book, which huh. connect with Batman,
0: right. but not directly. Wow. Hmm. Weird. Uh, and potentially great, but hmm. So, well, it does make sense that they would be doing a crossover thing again, because I think Morrison's maneuvered them through, you know, if uh, one or, you know, pretty much has been trying to set the tone for the entire Batman, the Bat family, I guess, you know, and it makes sense that, of course, the editorial is like, well, we still want to do... And I think Morrison doesn't shirk away from big events, clearly. So he's like, yeah, I've got ideas that I can tie everyone back together with but mm. uh, but I I do worry about I don't know I just uh, you know and that'll probably drag people back in but it's just it's it's such a darn shame that that stuff can't run on time because you know it's oh, yeah, it, it, just it, it, so
1: it skid- completely it kills it I mean I really think that the scheduling mm-hmm. comes towards the end of Return of Bruce Wayne and, and when Morrison was doing Batman and Robin really hurt it as well
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, agree. I, I agree. Oh, yeah. The, those final, those final few issues of of Batman and Robin and Return of Bruce Wayne that were clearly supposed to synchronize to come out in a certain order and then did and not. Yeah, yeah. I, that was really problematic. So, kind of a shame. Uh, hmm. Well, well. So, sir, it's been a while. Perhaps is there anything else you want to? Can we end on an up note?
1: Let's, what's the up note that we're ending on? I've lost I'm, track. What was our up note?
0: No, I, I'm saying quick, because as it oh, is, quick, we're quick, like... Come up with an up-note. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty much like, uh, the, the direct market's oh, in the I, tanker. I,
1: I can give you an up-note. Um, I got a package today from uh, Fantagraphics, and guess what it had in it? What? Louis Tron Time's Approximate Continuum Comics get out! Which is a collection of um, Autobio stuff from the 90s and I'm only maybe 10 pages into it because I just got it today but it's really good. Oh, son
0: of a bitch. As you know I quite love
1: Tron I know, I know, so. I know you love Tron Time. And I think this will make you love Tron Time all the more. Mm. Uh, according mm. to the press release that accompanied it, it finally brings American readers the first portion of the Tron Time Autobio trilogy that also comprises At Loose Ends and Little Nothings.
0: Ah, Yes, which I've read the, the little nothings. Oh man, that's fantastic, Graham. I'm very envious.
1: And it, yes, yeah, his autobiography from the nineties, and is really, really good so far. So um, yeah, my my upbeat ending is Trondheim's awesome. First of all, and I have <laughs> Trondheim to read that I totally didn't expect. Wow. Well, you yes. Your you're upbeat is you're going to WonderCon. I am. I'm
0: going to WonderCon. I'm you're gonna going to get
1: to, to hang WonderCon. out with lots of awesome people. Yes. You're going it to is get true. to meet you're gonna get to meet Chris and Allison.
0: Yes, which is going to be quite fascinating in and of itself. Uh, and I guess since we're still recording, we should give him the shout out. Hey everybody at WonderCon, we look forward to seeing you. Well um,
1: Jeff looks forward to seeing you. I am in Portland tonight. I looks forward to I, not seeing you.
0: I, <laughs> I really would have looked forward to seeing you,
1: but that wasn't the way that cookie crumbled suddenly.
0: Indeed. Indeed.